Welcome to the NLP Talks podcast, bringing you inspirational stories along with a good dose of potentially life-changing NLP strategies. I'm Laura Evans, multi-award-winning NLP trainer, and I'm on a mission to help you unleash your potential in business and life. I'm so glad you're here. Pull up a chair, listen in, and let's get started on revealing more about this transformational NLP toolkit. Hey, how you doing? And welcome to another episode of the NLP Talks podcast. I am, of course, Laura Evans, your host. And today, the episode is all about my experience. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing what coaching is, how NLP coaching is on one hand, perhaps similar to other coaching and on another hand, very different. I'm going to be sharing how NLP literally transformed my coaching practice. And I'm going to share with you a couple of case studies to show how that happened. So if you're interested in coaching and the difference that NLP could make to your coaching practice, or perhaps you're looking at coaching and you want to know where to start, this podcast episode is for you. So stay tuned and let's get started. Now, I had been a coach long before I found NLP. I grew up in the HR field, as you'll know if you've listened to the podcast, and coaching was really, really popular uh, when I started out. It, It just started to become an industry in its own right. So we're going back probably 20 years now. Coaching itself is a relatively new industry, but it's brilliant in terms of the fact that it's full of people who want to help other people. And that's an absolutely brilliant objective. How people do it, though, is quite different. So why would we even want to consider coaching and you know why coach? Well, my background is primarily in business. And for most businesses, the success of the business is dependent on the performance of the people within that organization. So if there are ways of helping people to perform more effectively, um, to increase productivity, to reduce absence, labor turnover, um, increase profitability of organizations, like these are all things that coaching professed to be able to give organizations. Problem though, is most coaching can't deliver on that promise. And we're going to come back to that. Coaching, you know, why coach? Coaching brings out the best in people. It really helps people to develop and grow. Um, In business, if I think about the old style of command and control management that I used to experience back in the very early days, where, you know, you got told what to do and you got told to jump and you simply just said how high. And the problem with organizations like that is it breeds a culture and it breeds a type of behavior where employees almost stop thinking for themselves. They just wait to be told. And this therefore means that the manager in any team or department or the MD of the organization itself, nothing really happens unless they say what needs to be done. And so it's much better if you can have an organization full of people um, who want to think for themselves and want to, you know, to really make a difference and and to, to push themselves forward. I remember when I used to work back in hospitality and I was coaching a hotel manager one day, and I remember her ringing me and saying, 
oh, Laura, I haven't had a day off in weeks. And even when I get a day off, like I don't get a day off. And, and we kind of had an informal, impromptu coaching conversation. It hadn't been set up as a formal coaching situation. And, and if you're like me, um, you often find yourself coaching your friends and families and colleagues just informally, right? And it's all still coaching, whether it's a formal coaching session or informal, right? So she said, oh, you know, and I said, well, tell me some of the problems that you've been experiencing. And I said, she said, well, take today, for example, today's actually my day off. So I was like, well, firstly, why are you ringing me? But anyway, that's the whole of the conversation. She said, and I've already had two phone calls from the hotel. So I said, right, okay, tell me a bit more. And she said, right, well, the first phone call I had was to tell me that there was no toilet roll. Now, if you've ever worked in hospitality, you'll appreciate you can't sell a room without toilet roll, right? Um, So (laughs) it's one of the things that's kind of essential. Um, And I said, all right, okay. So I said, is that a regular occurrence? Yes, it is, she said. So I said, well, have you ever thought about a very simple coaching approach, which is this? always respond to a question with a question. She was like, no, I haven't. So I said, well, here's how it works, right? People at the moment in your organization are using you as the font of knowledge. They're always coming to you for the answers and they want you to fix it for them. Now, rather than you being that fixer in that organization, why don't you start responding to a question with a question? Um, So when they ring you and say, there's no toilet roll, what about you turn around and say, okay, so what do you think the options are? Now, I'll tell you now, the first time you do that, there'll be silence on the end of the phone. And I suggest what you do is say to them, go away and carry on cleaning the bedrooms. And when you've got a couple of options and some ideas, ring me back. Now, Coaching was never professed to be a quick process, right? But I tell you, it's worth the investment of time getting people to think for themselves. So anyway, that's what I would suggest. She said, okay, fine. I said, when they come back, I tell you now, they'll come back with some options and some of them won't be options that you would have perhaps chosen. And that's because of experience and things like that. But I would then help them evaluate those options. So if they come back and say, I don't know, Um, One option would be to go to Asda and go and buy some toilet rolls. Okay, so what would the benefit of that be? Well, it would fix the problem for now. Um, What's the downside? Well, it means I need to leave the hotel and I can't leave the hotel unmanned. So um, actually, that's probably not such a sensible option. Okay, great. So what's the next option? And you get them to tell you and you evaluate it. Uh, I don't know. Let's say John's coming in later. Perhaps he might be able to pop in and pick some up on his way in, or maybe they could call the hotel down the road and see if anybody would be able to pop some up. Um, You know, there are all options, right? But you need to start to get your team to think for themselves. Um, And I promise you that to start with, it will be a bit clunky. It'll take a bit of time. But what you will find is your team will stop relying on you to be the solution to every problem. And instead, they'll start to come to you with possible solutions and options because they know that's what you're going to ask. And then all of a sudden, you will be teaching them to think for themselves, to evaluate the options and to take action for themselves. And you'll get less phone calls. Anyway, so I explained all of this to the hotel manager. She's like, okay, right, I'm up for it. Anyway, I didn't hear from her for a few weeks and she came back. She rang me and then um, she said, you know what, that little trick of answer, uh, sorry, that little trick of responding to a question with a question. She said, it's gold. It's absolute gold. I said, well, how so? Tell me. And she said, is it panda exactly as you'd said. Um, she had no idea when I said, so what do you think the options are? So I sent her back. She rang me 20 minutes later and she came up with the options of going to buy some from the supermarket or asking someone to bring them in. And And we evaluated them and she decided that actually on balance, phoning the hotel down the road to see if anybody could help would be the best option. So I told her to go and do it and call me back after. So she did it. She came back to me. She said, yeah, they're going to pop some up for me. Problem solved. 
And she said, and it was brilliant because since I've started doing that with more of my team, they start to solve problems themselves and they come to me just to maybe rubber stamp things. But actually it's meaning that when I have days off, I actually get time off. And it was brilliant. Now, that tip of answering, uh, so responding to a question with a question is a, is, a, is a coaching technique I learned years and years ago. Someone shared it with me. Um, and that's why organizations like coaching. So we start to get people to learn and grow and develop themselves. Um, and it starts to bring the best out of people. And, and that's always going to have benefit to any organization. Another reason businesses like coaching is because it aids what we call independent thinkers. And that's exactly what I've just demonstrated in that story for you. People want to solve problems, but sometimes they just can't think through how best to do that. And coaching us can give us that opportunity. Of course, coaching only doesn't doesn't only happen in business. Um, You have wealth coaches, health and fitness coaches, relationship coaches, and to be honest, coaches in pretty much every area of your life you can think of. And all of that coaching is designed to help you to get from where you are now to where you want to be with perhaps more ease, less friction and a little bit faster. I mean, let's think about areas of your life where you're not getting the results that you want right now. In those areas of your life, you could continue to do what you're currently doing. Um, I refer to it as the trip and fall method, whereby you just trial and error. Like you try something that doesn't work, you try something else. And it takes time and potentially, um, you know, mistakes along the way. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes you learn more when you get things wrong than when you get them right. But that trip and fall method can be costly and it can take a lot of time. Where a coach becomes hugely helpful is being able to help you to think differently. You see, the advantage of a coach is a coach is not in your world, as in they're not you. They're not living everything that you're living. They haven't got all the baggage, the history and all of that stuff that comes in any given context where we might consider coaching. The coach's ability to be one step removed means that they can be a little bit more objective. They are able to ask you questions to help you to think differently, to perhaps look at things from a different perspective. You see, one of the problems that a lot of us have, and me included, if I'm honest at times, is that we fix on to one particular way of thinking, one particular way of viewing a problem, one particular way of viewing the world. And sometimes it's not until someone comes along and says to you, Hmm, have you thought about looking at it from this perspective? And all of a sudden you kind of think, oh my goodness, yes. Why did I not think of that before? And the truth is you didn't think about it because you couldn't, because you were looking at things from your perspective and where you were sat. And this is where coaches can add huge value in all different contexts of coaching. There are three, what we discuss, we talk about three major outcomes to coaching. It's about helping people improve their performance in a specific area of their life, whether that's their health and fitness, their business, their career, their relationships, their finances, you know, life in general. So a lot of it's about improving performance. It's sometimes described as helping people that are suffering with what we call underperformance. Now, that's not a bad thing. Um, Back in my HR days, if we said someone was an underperformer, we would be like, oh, hang on, that's not good news. But this is what I mean by someone is not performing to the level that they know they're possible uh, to perform at. They, They know there's more there. They know they can contribute more and they're just not sure how or why they're holding themselves back. Some people would describe it as feeling Duck. Some people would describe it as just flying underneath the radar because you don't want to put your head above the parapet because then you might get shot at. Not literally, of course. 
So, so, you know, how you can enhance that performance. Some people love coaching simply because they want to be the best version of themselves. These would be people interested perhaps in personal professional development. Like I know that I'm never going to be done when it comes to personal development. I know there's always more to learn. I know there's always more to strive for. And so some people come along to coaching, um, you know, for those kinds of reasons. Some people want a coach because they want a safe space. They want a place where they can um, think out loud, where, where they can get some support from someone that has absolutely no objective or ulterior agenda other than helping the client that sat in front of them. You know, don't get me wrong, you know, our family and our friends can be great as people providing advice, but we all have bias. We all have a place that we come from. And sometimes that advice is really, really helpful. And sometimes mm, maybe unconsciously or unintentionally, we might take a course of action because someone suggested it and then find out maybe that wasn't the right course of action for us. Maybe we took the action just to keep other people happy or to please other people. There are so many. Listen, I could sit and do a whole podcast just on this section about why coach and, and the benefits of coaching, but it's absolutely phenomenal. And I love, love, love coaching. Now, if I was to give you a definition for coaching, oh my goodness, there's hundreds and hundreds if you go and Google them. My very simple definition, and if you know me, you'll know I like simple and straightforward. Here's what coaching is to me. This is where I work with a client and I need to firstly find out what their starting position is. Where are they? What have they tried? What things have worked or not worked in the past? Um, but I need to know their current situation and where they are at. I also need to know where they're trying to get to. What is the goal? What is the objective? If I was to work with them, what is it that they're looking to achieve? And then there's the bit in the middle between where they are now and where they want to get to. And it's my job to help them get there with more ease, less friction and potentially faster than they would if they went alone. When it comes to NLP coaching, we have someone, let's imagine, stood at the start of a 100 meter sprint. And between here and the finish line are all these hurdles. And actually, traditional coaching, we'd get up to each hurdle and then we'd have to negotiate either getting over the hurdle, round the hurdle, under the hurdle. But we'd have to look at the options for each individual hurdle. Imagine these hurdles as, as uh, blocks, like limiting beliefs that you hold or experiences from the past that hold you back and stop you taking action. Like we can rationalize them and we can look at logical options of how to get around them. But with NLP, what if we just picked the hurdle up and moved it to the sideline? And did that with every single hurdle in the 100 meter sprint. Wouldn't it be easier to get to the finish line without all of the hurdles? Of sure, of course it would. And so this is something that we talk about in coaching. Now, if I refer to the definition of coaching as per Sir, jo Sir John Whitmore in 2003, he said coaching is about unlocking a person's potential to maximize their own performance. It's helping them to learn rather than teaching them. So this definition is very much about getting the person to think for themselves, to maximize their own performance. And coaching by its very nature is about helping someone to be the best person that they can be. Uh, other definitions here, uh, Grant in 1999 gave a definition underneath the uh, banner of the Association of Coaching here in the UK. And he said um, that a collaborative solution focused, results oriented and systematic process in which the coach facilitates the enhancement of work performance, life experience, self-directed learning 
and personal growth of the coachee. Oh my goodness, isn't that a mouthful? Um, <laughs> such a long definition. Now, I also like the definition of coaching about the coach being a challenging friend. Now, when I'm coaching people and every single coach has their own style, okay? So let's be clear about that up front. I describe myself as a challenging friend. I'm here when I'm your coach to walk alongside you on this journey called life for a defined period of time. And I'm not going to be like a friend and I'm just going to go, oh, yes, it's awful. Oh, yes, it's really bad. And oh, yes, that's you know whatever you want, three bags full and all of that stuff. I'm here to challenge you. I'm here to help you think differently. I'm here to ask you the questions that other people might be too scared to ask you. I remember coaching a managing director several years ago now. And he had been promoted from within the senior team to be the managing director for this business unit. And he said, Laura, do you know what? He said, I need a coach because the higher up the organization I go, the less people challenge me. And he said, I want to be challenged. I want people to help me really think through these ideas that I'm having about where to take the organization. And they've stopped doing it. They've started to become a bunch of yes people. And that's not what I want. And so you'll find a lot of senior individuals need external coaches because they really just want someone to sit there and ask them the difficult questions, to ask them the questions that no one else will ask. Um, And so, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, coaching is not all just tea and sympathy. It's very results orientated. It's very much about helping people um, to move forward from that. Now, why is NLP then so useful in coaching? Well, NLP has been around a lot longer than coaching. And a lot of the things that we teach in NLP is hugely valuable in coaching. Like, let me tell you, when I first came across NLP, I'd been an executive coach for, oh, blimey, years, I'm going to say. I don't know exactly how many years, but let's probably say at least 10 years, probably 15, I don't know, long time. And You know, when I started to discover what NLP could do for coaching, it literally changed the results I was able to get with people. I'd been an executive coach. Um, Here in the UK, we have uh, uh, qualifications called ILM, Institute of Leadership and Management. I'd done my level seven executive coach qualification. Um, And don't get me wrong, I was a good coach. But I used to get really, really frustrated, really frustrated because executive coaching teaches you to ask great questions. And don't get me wrong, great questions are part of NLP too. But when you can see a client that sat in front of you and in my head, this little voice is screaming to me, they've got a limiting belief. I need to help them with that. Traditional coaching would would prevent me from from voicing that um, would prevent me from, um, you know, putting that suggestion to them because coaching talks about the fact that um, actually the best answers come from the client. There's always more ownership when the client comes up with the actions and the art client decides to take those actions. And, and don't get me wrong, NLP agrees with that principle too. But if I'm sat in front of someone and let's say they've got a limiting belief, I want to help them with that. Let me give you an example. I was coaching a technical director of a high-tech company and I had gone in to do executive coaching and Myers-Briggs coaching because I'm qualified in that too. Um, And there was an issue with relationships with another senior director in the organization. And this guy put his hand up to say, look, you know, this can't continue. I need someone to help me think differently about this. I need a coach. So I went in and cut a long story short, I'd been with him for about 90 minutes and I stopped him and I said, can I ask you a question? <laughs> he cheekily turned around and went, is that not what you've been doing for the last 90 minutes? And I went, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll ask a different question. Let me ask you, 
do you believe in yourself? Do you believe you're good enough? And he went, well, yeah, nodded. It was a well-practiced answer, let me tell you. And I just looked at him. And if you've ever seen me in the training room, you'll know what the Laura look like, look, Laura look, looks like. Blimey, I can't get my words out. Uh, if you're a student of mine, you'll know. And I just raised my eyebrows and looked at him and went, really? Well, what you, where are you coming from? And I said, well, here we are. And I turned around my pad and I'd been doing five bar gates across the top of my pad. And he looked at me and he went, you've been doing five bar gates. You're supposed to have been coaching me. And I said, I am. But let me tell you, every single one of these bars across the top of the page represents a time that you've said, I'm not good enough or a version of that. Now, one of the great skills of coaching is being able to reflect back what someone has said. Um, because remember, 98% of language is unconscious. You'll, you'll know that if you're a follower of our podcast. And I fed back word for word verbatim some of the lines that he had said. And I said, well, a moment ago, you said, and I read it out and looked at him and I said, you remember saying that? Yeah, vaguely said. Okay, well, try this one. And I read another one out. Yeah, I said that. And I read another one out. Well, I don't know if I remember saying that, but yeah, it probably is right. And I read about four or five of these out. And he stopped me and said, okay, enough, enough, enough. He said, ask me the question again. So I said, okay, are you good enough? And he said, no. You see, this is the problem with most of us. We have well-rehearsed responses to questions because let's be honest, he's a senior director in a really big organization and he can't be going around saying to people, I don't believe I'm good enough because other people might take advantage. Other people, it might damage his reputation. You know, I'm all for authentic leadership and all for people self-disclosing. And I disclose lots of the stuff myself, as you'll know from my podcast. But, you know, there's things that you disclose and there's things that you you don't. And, and he would choose not to say those things publicly. But he said, but but you're right. I don't. I don't think I'm good enough. Like, And he rattled off lots of examples, personally and professionally, um, of where that was the case. Um, he said, I'm, a, I'm really rubbish dad, you know, and I'm not a great husband and, and all of these things. Now, bear in mind, I'm being paid to coach him professionally. But, you know, sometimes these lines between personal and professional get a bit blurred. And, um, and I said, well, the good news is this. If you would like to believe the complete opposite, that you're absolutely good enough. I can help you do that. Probably take about half an hour. Or if you'd rather, we can sit here and I can ask you more great questions and, you know, we'll see where we go. And needless to say, he wanted my help. You see, there's times when I go in as a coach and I hit these, what I call brick walls. Now I can sit there and I can bash them down with lots of questions and get the client to think differently. And that's all well and good, but it's so much faster and so much more effective when I can help them change their behavior. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where NLP comes in. Let me explain more. Now, you may or may not be familiar with a guy called Freud, um, whether you like him or not, immaterial, but he described the mind like an iceberg. So I want you to imagine an iceberg bobbing along in the sea. And if you know anything about icebergs, you'll know that there's the little bit of the iceberg that appears above the waterline and the mass of the iceberg that sits underneath the waterline. Now, he likened the mind to an iceberg, and he said that the bit above the waterline is what we refer to as the conscious mind. That is the logical thinking part of your mind. And underneath the waterline is what he called a subconscious mind, but I call an unconscious mind. Subtle difference, I know, but sub implies inferiority, and there's nothing inferior about this unconscious mind. So within the ABNLP uh, that I train under the governing body I'm, I'm accredited by, we call it an unconscious mind. Now, 
if you're struggling to think about where is this mind, like what is it, how does it work? Well, here's the thing, right? You don't regulate your heart rate and your hormones, do you? You That just automatically happens. So, you know, you don't sit here and go lungs inflate, lungs deflate, lungs inflate, lungs deflate. I mean, like, can you imagine existing like that, having to tell your body to do those things, right? I'm glad we don't. Um, so so if you accept that there's there's a part of your, your mind that runs these automatic processes, then this is what we would call your unconscious mind. Now, this unconscious mind of yours not only runs your heart rate, your hormones, your breathings, and lots and lots of other things, it's also the area of your mind that controls and and houses your values, what's important to you, your beliefs, your memories, your attitudes, uh, the patterns and programs you run every day. I mean, the neuroscientists tell us we run 10 to 20,000 patterns or programs every single day, mostly unconsciously, i.e. out of your conscious awareness. You know, and all of that is driven by your unconscious mind. So in NLP, we talk about the fact that the unconscious mind actually drives your behavior. And if we want to get different results in our lives, or we want to help our coaching clients get different results in their life, it stands to reason to me that unless you go into that unconscious mind and help the client make changes at that level, Any change consciously they might decide will be at best short term lived. So the unconscious mind was absolutely the game changer for me. And when I discovered with NLP, I could help people change these unconscious patterns and programs in literally minutes. That is what springboarded my coaching outcomes for the clients that I worked with. You see, here's the thing. If I go back to that technical director, I mean, I could have sat there and talked through all of these beliefs that he has that are holding him back, that he's not good enough. He can't do it. He's not a great leader. Um, You know, that he has a short temper. I mean, the list went on and we can process each individual one and we can consciously and logically try to find a solution. But the reality is that unless he changes those beliefs that he holds about himself at the unconscious level, those patterns and programs are going to keep running. And if I step away from coaching just for a moment, if you compare coaching to uh, other people helping disciplines like counselling, for example... Counseling is what we call a content-led process. So it is designed to create a space for you to think through, to verbalize, to process what's gone on with for you and with you in order to help you find a solution to be able to move forward. Now, NLP is a process way of helping people. It is much more contextual and less content driven. With NLP, I only need to know enough about the client's problem in order to be able to decide and discover what patterns or programs I would need to help the client change at an unconscious level so that I don't only help the client in this specific context and problem that we're dealing with, but I help them for the long term. You see, the thing is, human beings are habitual creatures and life keeps repeating itself. I know it did for me and I'm sure it does for you too. And you keep making the same mistakes over and over. I mean, relationships are a great example, right? Well, you get yourself into a relationship and it doesn't work out. You get yourself in another relationship, it doesn't work out. You get yourself in another relationship, it doesn't work out. And when you look at who the people were that you were going into the relationship with, they all will probably have something similar about themselves. There'll be some need that they fulfill for you and it might not be healthy for you in the long term. 
And so life just keeps repeating itself. Well, if we can use NLP to help change the patterns and programs that sit at this unconscious level, this automatic part of your mind, then you will start to make different decisions for today and for the future. And that's what excites me as well about NLP coaching, because I can help people change things for the long term, not just for today. And I can change these automatic programs that run at the unconscious level. I mean, think about this for a moment, right? If you've got a laptop, and I'm sure you've got a laptop or a computer, if you never, ever, ever did a single update on that computer, that software would get out of date, wouldn't it? It would get clunky. It would slow down. It would be inefficient. It wouldn't really do the things you want to do. And so we don't think twice, do we, about updating the software on a computer? In fact, if you've got an Apple product like I have, <laughs> we have updates all the time. And you update your computer so it's at an optimal level and it works. You see, the thing is, the mind's exactly the same because that rule book which you had when you were a small child, it may well have served you when you were 10 years old. But the same programs and patterns and rules that you ran in your life at 10 years old are, are probably not the same as the ones you need now. And so actually what NLP coaching can allow us to do is, is do a little bit of a metaphorically at software update. Like the belief of I'm not safe and I'm not secure would have been a belief that I would have had as a small child because of my circumstances. That's not a belief that's going to help me lead a successful life as a 41-year-old woman. Um, it, these days, it's completely different. I'm absolutely safe and secure. And consciously, I might know that. And consciously, I might tell you that that's all good. But what if unconsciously, there's still a belief and a pattern that runs that says, I'm not safe and I'm not secure? Because your unconscious mind determines your behavior. It determines the action that you do or don't take. And most of it is unconscious. So when you start to look at NLP coaching this way, it's no wonder that we are able to help people get such great results because we can help people change both for today and for the long term, and we can change these patterns and programs. Now, if I go back to my technical director, when he turned around and said, yeah, right, I recognize that I'm not good enough. Uh, what can we do about it? Rather than spending hours consciously and logically trying to find a solution to that, we got on and we did a limiting belief change process, which is something that we do in NLP. Um, and it took me about half an hour. Now, could I have got the same outcome and results through other methods? Yes, of course I could, but it would have taken a lot longer. And sitting there consciously going, yes, I believe in myself, is the strategy he had been running until that point. And it hadn't served him. <laughs> Sorry, that's the dog. <laughs> well interrupted, Rosie. So for me, this is where the magic is. If it was magic, it's not. I wish it was. I, I wish, tell me, let me tell you, if I had a magic wand and I could just wave it at people and help them change, oh my God, I'd be a manufacturer of wands. It, the truth is that isn't possible. But what is possible as an NLP coach is for me to, um, you know, really help people consider what patterns and programs are running that work for them, those that don't. And if it doesn't work, I've got tools to be able Able to help them change. And that's why I get so passionate. For me, traditional coaching, if I call it that, is what I now refer to as conscious mind coaching. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, get don't get me wrong, that's better than command and control and the way that we used to do things. Totally much, much better. But it's so much more effective if we move away from just that logical cause and effect type way of coaching and actually help people to change things at the unconscious level. That is where, and this is why I call NLP coaching transformational coaching, because it really is our ability to help people much faster, deliver much longer term results. It's just phenomenal. 
Now, I've talked at length about the unconscious mind here and the patterns and programs that we run, but that isn't just the only thing that NLP can offer. You see, NLP is also a model of effective communication and who doesn't need to improve their communication, right? We all do. Um, You know, NLP helps us to build better rapport with our coaching clients, to be much more aware of the language that people are using and what is said and what's not said as well. Um, We look beyond the presenting problem. I always teach my coaching students students, the phrase that the presenting problem is rarely the real problem. The presenting problem is rarely the real problem. You see, what I found in coaching over the years, and I've been doing this a long time now, is when I sit down to coach someone, they give me what I call the socially acceptable problem. I mean, listen, I see it all the time on my NLP practitioner courses I run. I say to people, so why are you here? What are you looking to get out of this? For what purpose have you attended? And people sit there and go, I want to improve my presentation skills and I want to be a better communicator and I want to do all of these things. And that's grand and I can help them with that. But actually, what it's really about is understanding what's sitting behind the problems that they have and what's driving them. And let me give you another example. I hope you're enjoying this, by the way. Uh, Do let me know. Drop me an email. Let me know. Info at anishyourpotential.org.uk. If you're loving the podcast, I'd love to know. Let me give you another example. Completely unwork related. I worked with a gentleman once that had a gambling problem. Um, And he came to me as an NLP coach and said, Laura, can you help me? You see, this is the thing with coaching, right? Because people will come to you and they'll say, Laura, I've got this problem. Can you help me? And have you done it before? They are typically the three questions people ask of coaches. They don't come to me and say, oh, Laura, could you do timeline therapy? Or, oh, Laura, could you do gestalt therapy with me? Oh, Laura, could you do Myers-Briggs with me? They come to me and say, Laura, I've got this problem. Can you help me? Have you done it before? They quite honestly couldn't really care less what coaching toolkit I use or what tools I use. They just want my help. Um, and this is what this guy was like. Laura, I've got a gambling problem. And and you know, and I said, okay, give me, you know, give me a little bit more. And, and we talked it through. Remember, with NLP coaching, I only need to know enough content to be able to know how to help. And he said, well, the thing is this, he said, um, I, I've got gambling addiction and um, I've only really just been able to kind of say that out loud. And I'm on the verge of losing my house. I have no money in the bank and life's really tough. Um, anyway, he told me his story. Now, as an NLP coach, I'm listening to him describing the fact he's got a gambling addiction. But for me, It's not about the addiction. I'm already right from the get go when he talks to me, I'm already going to be looking behind that problem. So what's driving him to gamble? What's driving him to to do this a lot excessively too much? Hence, he's labelled himself with an addiction. By the way, lots of people labour themselves a lot. um, And there are some medical terms that we have to be careful of. But a lot of people self uh, self self-label. And that's the content for another episode. But, um, you know, but but yeah. And do you know what? I'm going to cut the story short a little bit and explain to you that actually when we got to the root of the problem, the problem was he worked for the council and he had a really dull, boring job. That's how he described it. And I remember him sat in front of me saying, but Laura, when I gamble, I feel alive. I feel like I'm I'm living, like the blood rushes through my veins. And the problem is that when I did a Vanny's elicitation with him, he had a high need for risk, thrill, and all of those things in a work context. And he wasn't getting it from his job. So he was going to do it in another way. And he was earning money as he saw it through gambling. 
Only the only people that really win when gambling is the is the companies. Anyway, that's another point as well. Leave that for another episode. Um, and um, and actually, that's what it was about. And as soon as I worked with him at a level of his values and what was important to him, um, we really started to make progress. So my point is, the presenting problem is rarely the real problem when it comes to NLP. Uh, and coaching in general. You see, and this is the problem. If we're going to sit here and try to consciously and logically help a client find a solution, it's only ever going to take us so far. When there's this mass of the iceberg underneath the waterline, you can't afford to ignore it. Now, there was a great piece of research done uh, by a gentleman called Professor Gerard Hodgkinson of Leeds University. I believe he's moved on now. And he had an article published in Science Daily in 2006, if I remember. And he had done some research into the mind and, and by all means, go, go and Google it. I'll put the link for uh, the article in the uh, podcast description so, so you can find it and go and check it out if you want to. But I'm going to basically praise what he said. And, and basically what he said was that actually, well, I'm going to quote some of what he said. So intuition in the brain, he said, drawing on past experiences and external cues to make a decision. But one that happens so fast, the reaction is at a non-conscious level. So this is where Hodgkinson is, is starting to acknowledge the fact that actually not everything we do is conscious and logical. He goes on in the article to talk about the fact that humans clearly need both conscious and non-conscious processes, but it's likely that neither is intrinsically better than the other. So what he's saying here is that if we really want to help people, and, and of course, if we apply this to coaching, which is the purpose of this podcast, what we're saying here is that humans need conscious and unconscious processes to get the results and the behavior that they want. And Hodgkinson says neither is intrinsically better or the other. Now, in NLP, we'd say the unconscious mind is probably way more powerful, not probably, it is way more powerful, is my belief, and I can help deliver long long-term benefit. But I'm very happy to settle for a piece of research um, from Hodgkinson when he was at Leeds University saying that actually we need both. That to me is a step in the right direction. That to me proves that conscious mind coaching alone is never going to cut the mustard. You see, if I go back to what I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, this big promise that coaching made to organizations, and I said it can never deliver on the promise. And I absolutely believe that. And it's for this reason. If you want to help people change their behavior, i.e., if we go back to some of the promises of coaching, reducing absence, reducing labor turnover, increasing organizational performance, increasing profit, all of that stuff. If you really want to deliver that in an organization, that's not coaching at the conscious level. That's coaching that needs to deliver behavioral change. And therefore, if we take Hodgkinson's research, conscious mind coaching alone is never, ever going to deliver on the promise of organizational change, organizational performance, because it requires individuals within that organization to change their behavior. And if you want to change behavior, you need to work at an unconscious level. I mean, to me, it makes absolute sense. Um, you know, and I say this with, you know, with love in my heart, you know, because I was in HR in those days when we were buying in all this coaching, wanting to create coaching cultures and all of that stuff. And many organizations are still 20 years later, still trying to create coaching cultures. The point is, Folks, it's not going to happen unless you start coaching people at the unconscious level. It, to me, it's obvious. And so organizations will, and I'm sure will continue for some years yet to waste a lot of money trying to deliver on this promise and it isn't going to happen. 
unless you start dealing with some of the unconscious processes that employees and individuals have. I mean, to me, it's obvious. So for me, these are some of the ways that NLP coaching really can make a difference. Let me share one other story with you. I was coaching a lady who was going for career promotion. I wanted a promotion, um, had been overlooked several times for promotion and was really, really keen to get a coach to help her uh, hold her hand and push her to really make these changes that she knew she knew she needed to make. And I had a coaching session with her. And at the end of all great coaching sessions, you always have actions. So what actions is the coaching client going to take as a result of the coaching session? And as the coach, sometimes I have actions too. And I always do what I call a commitment score. So that every single action that they have, um, I get them to school them on a scale of zero to 10, where 10 is highly committed to take the action and zero is not committed at all. And if the client says that, um, you know, the commitment score is maybe five or six. I want to have a quick chat before they go. How do we make that a seven, an eight or a nine? So it's much more likely that they'll take action. So this lady had given me eights and nines and she was totally committed, consciously at least, um, to taking the action. One of the actions was she was going to go and speak to her boss. She was going to get all her preparation done. She was going to find her job online at a higher salary. She was going to um, get all her appraisals together, prove that she was a top performer, and she was going to get all the evidence she needed to persuade her boss that actually a pay rise is what she wanted. She wanted more responsibility and a pay rise. And, you know, we discussed that perhaps rather than changing jobs, maybe career progression could be achieved within her existing job. She was committed. She was ready to go. She went off. And a month later, she came back for her coaching session. The first thing we always do at the start of the next coaching session is review the actions from last time. We went through them all. We got to the one about talking to the boss. How did you get on with that one? I said, um, yeah, it didn't happen. And um, we're going to need to carry that action forward to next month. Now, in my executive coaching days, um, that would have been totally acceptable. Oh, okay, no worries. I, I get that happens. With my NLP hat on, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we go any further, I want to explore with the client what stopped them. I asked her some questions and it came to light that she'd been on holiday for two weeks. Okay, that's fine. And they'd both been out a lot. She wanted to do the conversation face-to-face. -face, and I said, well, were there no opportunities for that? Eventually, she came clean and said, there was. And I went to have the conversation, but I stopped myself. She said, I was walking towards the office uh, door where he was sat and I could see him through the glass. And as I went walking towards him with all of my preparation done, I went up and just before I put my hand on the handle to his office door, I said to myself, nah, not today. Nah, not today. Um, and I turned around and went back and sat at my desk and I put everything back in the bottom drawer, which is where it is still today. Now, I had some coaching conversations with her and, and again, I'll pray see what happened. She didn't believe she was good enough. She didn't believe she was worth it. And so we started to address those two limiting beliefs in the coaching session. You see, had I let her, when she said, oh, just carry it forward, Laura, to next month, if I'd let her do that, I'd never have uncovered the limiting beliefs that she had. And needless to say, in that coaching session, the second one we had, the first thing I did was turn to and help her to deal with the limiting belief that she didn't deserve and she wasn't worth it. The action was carried forward and the following month she did do it and she got the promotion that she wanted. This to me is the power of what we do. So NLP not only can help us change unconscious patterns and programs and therefore behavior and therefore results, 
and outcomes that people get. It gives us a massive toolkit to help with effective communication, better rapport building, better language skills. You know, again, I mean, let's talk about this. I mean, listen, I could talk for hours about this coaching, but coaches, I need to wrap up soon. But respecting other people's model of the world. Now, this is a really interesting one because in NLP, we have a principle called respecting other people's model of the world. And as a coach, there's times when I need to respect it, but there's also times I need to challenge it. And and I learned this when I started doing NLP. Like it's very hard sometimes as a coach to be non-judgmental and to be unbiased and, and to be that objective voice for the client. But there's times when I need to challenge their model of the world, the way they see things, because that's my job. That's what they're paying me to do as a client. And, and our mindset around NLP, um, it's just phenomenal. You know, NLP gives me a toolkit where I can help people um, to change their beliefs, their values that they hold about themselves and what's important to them. And I can help them make much faster progress uh, towards their goal. I don't get frustrated coaching people anymore. I love it. I love the speed at which people can change. I love the way in which they can change. And I sit there and facilitate it. Um, The client is the one that needs to do the action. I say there's no magic wand, but what there is, is a massive toolkit I now have. And a lot of our community that I've trained now have that we can use. Let me tell you that my investment in NLP training was the best investment in my coaching education that I ever had made, ever. And I've done a lot of courses over the years. I have to say that I couldn't imagine coaching without it now because I don't want to go back to being that frustrated executive coach. You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, we talk about questions. I mean, we have a whole host of questions in NLP called Meta Model um, that comes from the work of Virginia Satir. And she was a family therapist, but amazing at getting to the root of the problems that her clients had. And then she could help them work through what she was going to do. Like we have all of that in NLP. So questioning is vital. I'm not saying it's not, but if all you've got is questioning, then that is always going to have limitations. It will always have limitations. I absolutely love coaching with NLP and I'm I'm hoping that my passion for what we do um, has come across because so many people over the years have said, Laura, like what difference has it made um, to coaching and, and, and how you help people as a coach? You know, I don't talk much about this on our podcast because for me, I want to showcase our amazing community of coaches that I've trained, but a lot of people have said, but Laura, I want to hear your story too about coaching. Um, And I really hope that today I've been able to give you a little glimpse into how NLP has transformed my coaching and just how much joy it brings me to help people do it in this way. If you're considering becoming a coach, and that's why you've listened to this podcast episode, let me tell you, NLP is where I would probably start. And if you're an existing coach that's got a bit frustrated with the toolkit that you've got and you want new and different ways of helping people, then NLP is also for you too. For me, NLP is not a nice to do when it comes to coaching. It's a must do to be able to help people. Remember, go back to what I said earlier. When people come to me as a coach, they come to me and say, Laura, I've got this problem. Can you help me? And have you got evidence of having done it before? They want our help as a coach. They want to be able to get those goals. They want to be able to get past the blocks and problems which they have. And they know that there's something in my toolkit that's going to help. I say to people, when you're coached by me, I've got, I think, one of the largest coaching toolkits out there, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to help you. I'm also about making sure 
that my clients are independent clients. You know, one of the problems with a lot of people helping industries and counselling and other talking therapies, I don't do you think I've got it in for counselling, but it's the one most of you will have heard about, is they create dependent clients. You know, when someone comes to you and says, I've been in therapy for years, that's because the methodology that's being used is making them dependent on the process. They get to the point of needing their therapist or needing their counsellor. That's not what NLP is about. I always say to people when I coach them, I'm a little bit like Nanny McPhee, <laughs> for those of you that have seen the film. Um, when you need me, but don't want me, I'm here. But when you want me, but don't need me, I must go. And that is what coaching for me is all about. I will walk alongside you on this journey for life for a defined period of time. And at the end of that, I'm going to wish you farewell and I'm going to let you disappear into the distance. And I will forever want to cheer you on from the sideline. But when you want me, but don't need me, that is when I must go. And what a great point to finish the podcast. Um, now, listen, if you're interested in finding out more about NLP coaching, because in this episode, I've only been able to touch the surface of what NLP coaching does. If you're interested, if you click the uh, description below the podcast, whichever platform you're watching on, you'll be able to go and find out much more about NLP coaching. If you would like to discuss uh, with myself and the team about coming on our courses to learn NLP coaching properly, um, then just give us a call if you're based in the UK, it's 02920-023311. Or you can drop us an email, info at unleashyourpotential.org.uk. Um, and call us or email us for a no obligation conversation to understand whether NLP coaching is right for you, uh, whether it will help you as a coach start out, or if you're already a coach, enhance your toolkit. Um, I really, really think it would. And on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode um i really hope you've enjoyed it uh watch out because the next episode is coming really soon i'm going to be interviewing the amazing michelle langford um, and she's going to be sharing with you her story of how nlp saved her eight thousand pounds and two years of therapy i mean case in point right so anyway you take care of yourself and i look forward to seeing you back here really soon take care